Hello, welcome to episode number five of the Disney Hipster Podcast, the show critiquing the aesthetic choices of the Disney company. My name is Adam, and I write for the Disney Hipster Blog. I'm joined as always by my co-host Andrew. Hello there. And also by this week's guest host, Megan. Hi! Yay! On today's show, we're going to be going over our top ten attractions in Walt Disney World that grow on you. Before we jump into today's main topic, we're going to do another good design, bad design. For today's good design, bad design, we're going to be going over design of counter service restaurants in Walt Disney World with a focus on the design and not the food quality. Okay. Yeah, so Adam, go ahead with your good design, bad design. Okay, for my good design. Um, my first is Restaurant Source over in Animal Kingdom. Nice. Uh, it is just totally hokey. Every inch of it is covered in just kitschy crap. It's a nice melange of kitschy crap, isn't it? Yeah, and it's supposed to be like the mess hall of some like dinosaur school. Yeah. Like a dig site or something like that. I love that. It has a good backstory. It's true. It has amazing, amazing theme uh, music or background music. A background loop in general. I would hardly call this background music at all. This is like upfront in your face music. Which is true. That's why right. I didn't know what to call it, but it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I like it. Um, that's it. And then my uh, my bad design. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely 100% Pizza Planet in Hollywood <laughs> Studios. Oh, that's a good one. Um, just Disney fail, fail. What are you doing? What do you? You had the opportunity to build Pizza Planet from Toy Story. And mm-hmm. you didn't do it, but you instead called a brick building Pizza Planet and then put some off-the-shelf crappy video games in it. Yeah. Just bad. I've been there once. I went there once. I didn't care for it. Two floors of crap. Yeah. Just crap. Yeah. So, Megan? Um, my good design, uh, maybe you'll have to agree with me on this one, uh, is ABC Commissary in studios. Yeah. I, I think it's it's beautiful in there. It's kind of like post-World War II era chrome, everything with the rounded edges. Yeah. It's like the, that's a good one. Yeah. I like I like the design. That's sort of the open air feel. That one, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great, it's great terrible, design. terrible, but the design is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See, I've never had... The, is, that, is that... What do they have there that we've eaten? Anything? I don't know if we've ever eaten there. Yeah, there might not be much that we can eat there. I do, I do like the... Uh, there's a good backstory there too. They have like the all the paint and stuff, right? Like they have all the the back I don't know, what is it? Like the back work of the productions with paint and Oh yeah, yeah. It's the it's the one where you're it's right by um, American Idol. Oh, Adam, we have been there. Yeah, oh, you, yeah. You know, it shares a bathroom with sci fi yeah. dining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know this one. Yes. That you're right, that one's great. Yeah, that is phenomenal. What's your bad design? Uh, my bad one is Cosmic Rays in the Magic Kingdom. Okay. All right. Yeah. This is a uh, this is very mixed emotions. I, I'm curious as to why you why you have it as bad. Okay. Uh, you want me to tell you right now? Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, that's the idea. I know, it's so similar, actually, in style uh-huh. to the ABC commissary. Uh-huh. I think it's funny that I picked it, but it, I picked it because of the way it flows. It doesn't work yeah. for what it's designed to do. Sure. Right. Yeah, it's definitely a little weird. Yeah, with all the different bays. Yeah, yeah, and they have the bays with a lot of, uh, I think almost all of the Magic Kingdom, uh, 
towards it. It just doesn't seem conducive to keeping a family together to eat. And I think that's a big part of the design. Yeah. yeah. And it's not designed at all. It's just a big giant yeah. room. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's, see, there's one exception. To yes, that, there is exactly. I I hate this. I we've never eaten here actually, but we go in Cosmic Craze all the time because I'm obsessed with Sunny Eclipse. So I go That's there. All, I go there all the time. Yeah. <laughs> the Sunny Eclipse is awesome, but the restaurant is not. I, we've agree. never got food there. I don't think. They have a they have a wonderful little toppings bar. I think they might even have fake cheese there, which I love. But Sunny they Eclipse do. is the only reason. It's it almost as good as Pecos Bill's topping and bar, but I just it's always it's so crowded and dirty in there. Do they do they have a veggie burger at Cosmic Rays? They do. They do, right? We've eaten it. Have we? We ate there with Bob and Laura. Did we? I can I can hardly recall that. That was yeah. the, a long time ago, but a I don't remember that. Very long time ago. But yeah, but it's it you know what? it's kind of like Pecos Bill, except why would you eat there when you could eat at Pecos Bill and exactly. get the same food? Yeah, that's a that's a great one. I toyed with the idea of saying that. The only reason I couldn't say that is my bad design is because of. Uh, Sunny Eclipse. Sunny Eclipse. He's the only reason. Just because he adds so much wonderfulness to that he's, little... He's so good design. He's he's such good design. I just love that guy. <laughs> um, so my uh, good design, bad design. My good design is uh, Adam stole one of mine, which was Restaurantosaurus. Of course I did, but that, I didn't think you'd pick that one. That's why I took it. That was the first one on my list. The uh, second one on my list is Columbia Harbor House. That's what I thought you would have picked. Which I think is just... Uh, Terrific design, not only because of the interior, but although the, uh, the exterior as well fits really well into Liberty Square, but also that transition into Fantasyland is really nice. Uh -huh. I just think that's phenomenal. As far as the inside concerned, it has sort of a nautical theme, lots of nautical nonsense everywhere, dark wood paneling, beautiful uh, mastheads of the ships. Is that what you call uh -huh. those mermaids? Yeah, I think so. Wonderful little mastheads everywhere, uh, examples of knots which I just think is so kitschy and uh, fun. There's stuff everywhere. Yeah, stuff everywhere. Good. That beautiful uh, undersea diver's helmet. Uh -huh. I love that thing. Then it has the overpass, the uh -huh. one that goes over the road that we always sit in. And over to about. the Yankee traders. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I just think that the design of that restaurant is just phenomenal. As far as theming goes, I think maybe the best in the whole property. Yeah, for Canada. Right, right alongside Restaurantosaurus as far as design goes. Uh, it also has a terrific background music loop with instrumental versions of uh, like A Whale of a Tale and My Body Lies Over the Ocean and lots of those great old songs. But like sort of like silly, almost uh, resort audio loop sounding, you know, like kind of corny but great at the same time. And you can also get uh, multiple packets of tartar sauce there if you want, because I prefer tartar sauce on my french fries and you can get it there. Mm, that's good. You're not supposed to talk about the food there. Oh, well, I'm just saying you can get it there if you want it. They didn't design the tartar sauce. Well, maybe they did. <laughs> they did design they those. They need to make old-timey tartar sauce packages. Put an E at the end of tartar and you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, for my uh, bad design, uh, I'm looking through my list. Okay, well, for my bad design, I'm kind of cheating here. So uh, bear with me if you will. I wrote all the restaurants on Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> <laughs> that's they're all kind of the same. That's, that's my that's my pick for bad design. They're horrible. Uh, this includes at Rosie's All American Cafe, which has a delicious veggie cheeseburger, and then also the Toluca Legs Company, which is turkey legs, which is the most revolting thing I ever heard of in my life. The reason I picked this specifically as bad design is because this is supposed to be Sunset Boulevard, which is an offshoot of that wonderful street going into. Uh, 
Hollywood studios, why aren't they inside buildings? Why aren't there facades for these? Why are they outside and you're eating on a picnic table? I don't know. This drives me up the wall. Because you could really, that's a, such a missed opportunity to make you feel very cozy in an otherwise uncozy park. Yeah. By adding a facade to these uh, couple of restaurants, I just think that's such a missed opportunity. Yeah, I gotta agree. Why are they outside? Why are you on a picnic table? I don't know, it just seems like lazy, very lazy. Bad. Yeah, but that I do love that veggie cheeseburger. It's just a cheeseburger. It's a veggie burger with cheese on it. Yeah, but I like it, we get it sometimes. What's the, there is one restaurant. There's nothing else to eat there. There's not a lot to eat. We end up getting un, uh, onion rings and a peanut butter and jelly milkshake at the 50s primetime. Yeah, That's for our lunch. But we're off topic. Yeah. So, good design, bad design. Yippee. So for, the, for today's main topic, we're gonna to be talking about attractions in Walt Disney World that grow on you. These aren't attractions like uh, the Haunted Mansion or Pirates of the Caribbean that people intrinsically love the first couple of times they go on. Those are the type of attractions that drive you to go back to Disney World after your first visit. We're talking about things that grow on you over time. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've compiled a list, each of us uh, contributing 10 attractions that we thought fit into this category and we combine those into an ultimate top 10 of attractions that grow on you. Woo! Yay! Ultimate top 10 list. Yeah, so we're gonna go through that top 10 list right now. Starting with number 10 is the TTA People Mover. TTA. Yeah, uh, how do you guys feel about this? Why does this attraction grow on you as opposed to being um, sort of your first favorite attraction? It's well, it seems like it would be boring at first. The first time you go on it is kind of reluctantly. Sure, yeah, it is kind of boring. It's even kind of boring the first time you go on it. <laughs> it's kind of boring, it's kind of boring every time you go on it, but in such a good way. Yeah, if, but before you get obsessed with before you go to Disney a lot where the whole thing feels like home to you, the TTA isn't as interesting, I think. Right, is that what, is that what you're like? Maybe it, maybe it even feels like a waste of time. Yeah, well, it's like you, when you're on it, what you're seeing you, is new to you, so it doesn't seem all that special. Right. Yeah, and yeah it's like, well, it's, and it's right by Space Mountain, so well, what yeah. one would you do if it's your yeah. first time there? Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, it, it definitely seems that it's very, the more you go on it, the less boring it seems, and that boredom is replaced by relaxation. Yeah. I mean, part of it, because it's, it's basically like a ride to listen to background loop music. Kind yeah. of. And sit down in the shade. Yeah, and, and sit down in the so shade. Nice. Isn't that nice? And get the like nice breeze when it picks up speed a little bit, and then like just absorb the park. It's it's like the perfect like once you get to that point where you don't care about riding attractions. Right. It's kind of like the attraction to not ride attractions. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to put it. Now you have to say that uh, that thirty seconds or minute or however long you're inside Space Mountain is the coolest like coolest. I mean, temperature wise. Mm -hmm. moment of your entire trip and it feels so good and it's so dark mm -hmm. in there. I know and I love when you go on it with kids like my nieces mm -hmm. who just scream in terror every time <laughs> oh, we go there. They really are scared of that but you know they're like 16 <laughs> years old. They are not. <laughs> oh right they're five. They're five and three. Anyway uh, that's that's my favorite that's my favorite part of it and I like passing the model of the Epcot the bastardized model. Oh but it's so butchered. But that's nice to pass by it. That's nice but anyway but yeah I don't know. It's just, it's just very nostalgic-y, kind of Disney, 
Disney, it's very, it's very engulfed it in Disney like, history, too. Yeah. Right. It seems like this is the type of attraction that grows on you because it's the kind of thing you can go on any time of the day, you know? When you get to the point in touring where there's so many lines for everything and you're like, well, I could just absorb the atmosphere, you know, I could walk around Main Street or Tomorrowland or whatever. Oh, I'll go on the People Mover again just because I appreciate the history of it and it just gets kind of better with the age, I think, you know? Mm -hmm. Which is funny because the, the People Mover in Disneyland is long gone and uh, I think people kind of rue the day that that happened because it's one of those historic, amazing attractions. Yeah? Yeah. But definitely, yeah, moves from boredom to relaxation. For me, anyway, that was, that was definitely key. Yeah. Next on uh, this list is a nice little Animal Kingdom gem. Number nine. Number nine. Flights of Wonder. Flights of Wonder. This is, uh, I think, probably a surprise for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you, do you love this as well, Megan? I do. It was on my list, actually. Yeah, oh, it um, was. Yeah, I, um, oh, I love it. I love it now. It's so, it's so entertaining. Isn't you actually like walk right by it. Uh, maybe there was someone with an owl out front. Oh, yeah. And then you'd be like, uh, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't bring a drink in here, so I don't know that it's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you wanted to leave your safari amber outside. <laughs> but it's fine. The parrots love it. <laughs> oh, dear Lord, they'll poop right in your drink. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I think a lot of people don't realize it's there. Yeah. That's one. Definitely. In a park where there's not a ton of things to do, this is something that will take up a nice little chunk of your afternoon. But as opposed to like the people who were, this is never boring. This yeah. attraction is never boring. And this, yeah. I, I would say this isn't necessarily that it grows on you because it's kind of good from the first time you do it. It's, it's that you would never think to go on it. Yeah. So like, I would absolutely agree with that. I yeah. did enjoy it the first time I went on it, but I didn't go, I didn't see it the first time I went to Animal Kingdom. Yeah, absolutely. No, we absolutely. We probably did in the first several trips. Yes. Yeah. I had probably been to Animal Kingdom 10 times before I ever went on it. Yeah. And it's, it, it really is one of our favorite things. I love Guano Joe. He's full of humor, and I enjoy that. Yeah. And we talked about in our last episode, Corey. Megan, have you ever had Corey as your host? I don't think so. Corey uh, is one of the bird handlers. He's the one that the main bird handler that does the show. We haven't seen him in a few trips, but Corey, if you're out there, we love you very much. And you can write to us, DisneyHipsters at gmail.com, if yeah. you ever want to meet up with us. And not in a dirty way. Not in a dirty way, just because I want to talk to you about birds. Yeah, you are the most enjoyable host. He's very pleasant and charming. And like, if you, you know, want to hang out and have lunch with us, we'll totally have lunch with you. Talk about birds. Yeah, and talk about birds. He's very charming. We haven't seen him in a while. Guano Joe, I love. Um, the only corny part about this that never grows on you that just is cringeworthy every time is when they bring out the bald eagle at the end. Yeah. And this it is just, freedom. No, its name is Hope. This is Hope. Is it Hope? This is Operation... This is Liberty. This is Operation Desert Storm. Operation <laughs> Patriotism down here. Yeah. It's embarrassing. I get embarrassed every time that happens. Just like I get embarrassed at the end of uh, American Adventure when <laughs> they play uh, Golden Dreams. <laughs> it's embarrassing. This is our bald eagle cluster bomb. <laughs> uh, anyway, that part that part never grows on me. That part, if anything, has gotten worse because I'm expecting it. <laughs> I, I do like the part where you hold up a dollar bill and the bird comes in 
flies and grabs it out of your hand. I always have a dollar bill in my hand ready for that moment. Yeah. I've been really dying for one of those birds to poop on somebody in the audience. I've never seen that. Do you think they train them not to do that? They must. Is that possible? But I thought birds can't really control their sphincters. Well, regardless of the fact that you just said sphincter, well, well move. Can either, so I don't know. It's really a cloaca, but we'll just move nonetheless, on. they we'll don't have from this. Well, that's the point: is they don't have a sphincter; they just have a cloaca, and it kind of just falls out. That's disgusting. <laughs> well, anyhow, um, speaking of birds, we'll move on to number eight um, with the enchanted tiki room. I love this room. I can't say Tiki Room without getting the song in my head. It was in my head all day. But that's a good thing. This is like it's, the best It's not a bad thing. Yeah. But I was trying to figure out what I was doing, and I was like, mm. Now, <laughs> as, far as, as far as this attraction growing on you, I can say from personal experience, the reason why this one grew on me is because I didn't see the original Tiki Room for a long time because of the stupid new management. You know, and now that the new management is gone, it's definitely grown on me exponentially. <laughs> now it's pretty awesome. But this is a this is very similar to Flights of Wonder in that, especially in the Magic Kingdom, in, in Disneyland, it's very obvious that it's an attraction. I had no idea it was an attraction until like the sixth or seventh trip. <laughs> like I assumed it was some sort of like little kid show, like where like you know a performer came out or something like that. Everything in Wonderland's kind of hidden. Yeah, but it really is. And they don't advertise it. They were never like, go see the Enchanted Tiki Room under new management. I mean, I know why they didn't tell people to go see it, but <laughs> nonetheless, I had no idea. It was a crap show. But even that, but then it, it, the first time you see it, it's like, it's cool, but it's a little boring. But then the more you see it, you get to know the songs, and then it gets nostalgic for you. And then the more you get obsessed with the history, it becomes important. Yeah. I, I like it more and more. Just m more than anything, I like it because I really enjoy the songs. These are the, this is the kind of like soundtrack that I listen to on a daily basis, you know, when I'm doing my housework or whatever. Um, I just appreciate it aesthetically, the birds and the tiki's, and I like that sort of crescendo of the tiki drums mm -hmm. and the birds and the flowers all singing at once. That's just terrific. I just oh, love that. Yeah. I love it. That's not what they do. Anyway, I enjoy it. I enjoy it a lot. It wasn't that I didn't like it at first because it had Iago and Zazu, and now I love it. It grew on me. Hardcore. You burst into flames. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's uh, number seven? Number seven, we have Grand Fiesta Tour. Another one featuring birds. birds. Oh. That's the running theme here. It's a really bird-heavy list. This it really, really true. is. I, yeah, lots of birds. Grand Fiesta Tour. This, uh, at first, is just another catalyst for drinking margaritas and has subsequently grown into something I experienced five or six times on every trip. Uh-huh. Do you, uh... Yeah, I don't know. It has uh, little nods to Mary Blair here and there, especially in the pinata scene, that sort of infinite, infamous scene. The song is terrific. The movie that it comes from is really underappreciated, I think. Those sort of package films from the 1940s are underappreciated in general. Yeah, I think that is the biggest reason it grew on me, was that we first would go on it, Oh, first it was this the Mexico ride, the first time I went on it, which I can never remember the name of. El Rio de Tiempo. Yeah, thank you. Um, and then I definitely liked the Reaper better, because mm -hmm. the three were definitely fun, but at the time I really hadn't seen the film, or seen it a lot. Um, and then once we kind of got obsessed with the films a bit more, and I've seen it, you know, a million times since then, then it becomes that much more special. Yeah. 
Megan, I know this this one wasn't on your list, right? Right. No, I always liked it. <laughs> you, yeah, that's. Yeah, I, th I wondered if that was maybe why yeah, you didn't include it. That's yeah, the problem. I, I really, I really do. But I had already seen the three caballeros. So right. Yeah. I just, I thought it was adorable the whole time. This was maybe so. one, an instance where I had maybe gone on this my first trip to Disney World, where I, I really probably thought it was kind of corny. Like I did a lot of the things the first couple times I went on them. And as I started appreciating the company and the history of the movies and uh, it just how wonderful that animation is and the characters that are in those like Jose Carioca who is so stinking charming um, that it, it did sort of grow on me and now it's one of my favorite attractions in Epcot which is a crazy nuts thing to say but it's definitely true. Definitely true. I especially like it a uh, little one-two punch of that in Maelstrom right before Illuminations is like the best night ever. Very magical. Yeah, it's it's oftentimes actually as as uh, funny as it is, either the first attraction or the last attraction of our trips. That's how much we like it. That's how much I like it. But I love it. Very it makes me smile. Okay, number six. Um, this was not on my list, but living with the land. Now this who was this the only one that was this was on my list and nobody else's? Yes. yes. Wasn't a, I don't think it was on mine. Yeah, I think this is one of the ones that was on my list only. So, oh, excuse me, I'm uh, burping up high life and seltzer. As far as uh, living with the land, growing on me, one of the big hurdles that I had to grow, uh, get over was the aquaculture. The fish. The fish part of this. Yeah, he was all, he was all up with you the it first It really time turned went. me off the first couple times I saw it. Uh, to the point where I was like, I can't go on this anymore because it kind of makes me sick. Just yeah, we, we didn't go on it for two trips because he was all like, those poor fish. Man. I just felt really bad for the fish because I didn't know what, I, they're in like little cages. I don't, they're not cages, they're tanks. Fish don't go in cages, they go in tanks. Okay. But I mean, I feel bad. I mean, I don't eat them either, but they're fish. They don't, they, they're simple creatures. But I did start to, I started to appreciate the sort of first half of this attraction in a different way. You know, I really love the rainforest scene. That smell in there is just so terrific. To the point where it started becoming nostalgic and I'm very OCD, um, if you guys haven't picked up on that, to where I have to go on this attraction now or it doesn't count as a trip. Specifically because of this sort of smell of that rainforest scene and the greenhouse is great. It has a really good message in preserving the earth, but just take out the aquaculture and add another couple scenes to that. Uh, to that sort of dark ride portion of it, and I think it would be the perfect attraction. Yeah, I mean, I always loved it, which is why I wasn't on my list. And why are there alligators in there? Why are there alligators? Yeah. Because their alligators are awesome. But why are they in there? Like, it's supposed to, are they farming them? Are they farming alligators? Are they gonna eat those alligators? Oh, the real alligators. Yeah. I thought you meant the cool log alligators. No, the, the real ones. ones. Are they gonna eat those alligators? Yeah. Are they? Yeah, they, well, they, what they do is because alligators are pretty much going extinct from overhunting, they started conservation programs where these sort of alligator farms, which are really just big swamps, like they take, they collect the eggs that are laid because they lay, they're obvious, they lay in big giant, well, under okay. big giant piles of stuff, and then they uh, and they collect the eggs and they hatch them in incubators, and then they raise the babies into where they're point like past the predation point where they're not going to get eaten and they put them in the wild, so it increases the wild population really high, and then they're able to hunt them without damaging the population. Uh, like half the people who are listening to this just committed suicide, because <laughs> that was the most boring thing I ever heard in my life. It was interesting. No. That but, is interesting, but 
I don't I don't advocate suicide though, so don't do that, guys. <laughs> Uh, anyway, yeah, so the, Megan, is this another instance where you always like this attraction? Yeah, I did. I like it from the first time I went on it as yeah. well. Yeah, I but do. I what you mean about the fish. I'm sorry, I don't mean to talk about you, but I, I, yeah, I, I, I do get a little squeamish about things like that. I just feel, but... I feel very bad for them. And then on the behind the scenes tour, they have you like throw food to the, the fish and they all swarm to get it. it just makes me feel. But they're fish. They don't, they don't. I know, but I just feel bad because I don't eat fish because I love animals. I don't eat animals because I love animals, and the, that's fine. I don't eat those aren't any different. Yeah, I just I just think it's not very epicotty of them to have those fish. I think it's kind of cool. And they even talk on the behind the scenes tour. They talk about how the sturgeon are so friendly that they'll come up and like rub against your leg. It's true, and that's very sad. That's, I mean, things like that are like almost extinct. That's very sad, though. I know, but the, but programs like that are you know, not at the around. land. That those are purely for people's but, amusement. Yeah, but they're showing you like what people do to keep these things alive and to, to save their wild populations, essentially. Yeah. Right, right or wrong. That's the idea. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, moving on from fish to number, number five. five, which is country bears, country bar jamboree. Yay! I love these stinking bears. Megan looks like she's <laughs> laughing. Nah, on my list because I do not like country bears. Oh, Megan. No! I'm afraid you guys aren't going to want to be my friend anymore, but... <laughs> <laughs> we'll let this one yeah. slide. We'll let this one slide. But it's so, it's so, like, hipstery, like, like, alt country. It's amazing. I, yes, I, I get that, but I How still... How are you not into it? Oh. Like it's falling apart. <laughs> oh, I'm so I'm so enamored by like your opinion on this. This is so fascinating. Have you been on it in a while? Because they did refurb it, and the sound is like a lot better. Last trip I was on. Wow. So, but it's been it's been over a year. Yeah, oh. no, it was refurbed before that. Then. Yeah, no, it's a. Uh... Oh God, this is so charming, and I I feel like I don't ever know what to say in situations like this where I have to talk about something that I really care about. This is a, an attraction that is near and dear to my heart. The songs are very amazing and catchy. They, Everything's whimsical, it's whimsical cookie. It's so whimsical. They're singing bears, redneck singing country bears. I just love these guys. I just feel like it's a highlight of what, what the Imagineers did in the early days. Absolutely. Well, not even the early days. But it's not is, that early, but you know, it's early enough. This is the, this is a 71 when this is a, a debuting with the park. You know, it's very specific to Disney World, which I think is why it's so magical. It's so popular that they had to bring it up to Disneyland, which they subsequently got rid of, of course, because it's so specific to Disney World, huh. you know? I love the fur. Yeah, I think, I just want to cuddle with Trixie so bad. I want to drink a glass of wine and cuddle with Trixie all day long. I gotta say that I also love the, the Beulah. Bonnie, Bonnie, oh, Beulah. Bo Bonnie Bubbles and Beulah. Yeah, the, the slides that go on behind them. That is so awesome. I love that they didn't change it. Yeah. Even though it's probably digital now. Yeah. We but. could do a, again, we could probably do a show on Country Bears without skipping the beat. But anyway, but it is boring at first. I'll give that to you, Megan. Maybe I didn't give it enough, but uh, I do like it when those uh, characters are in the parks, though. <gasps> so do I. Adam especially does. Yeah, I danced with Wendell, Wendell once at the hoedown, and he puked. And he, Adam made him throw up. <laughs> And they had a rush of offset. It was awesome. But they wouldn't let him take his head off. He threw up inside of his costume. <laughs> we have video of it. It was awesome. Horrible, great 
and wonderful story. <laughs> it was it was really bad because I usually don't do things like that. But he came over and he grabbed me. But he seemed lethargic, and we have a lot of the show on tape, and you could see that he's not really moving very much. And then when we were dancing, all of a sudden he stopped, and they make a they put their hands up, and then uh, and it, it was like a, and the handler turns around. And she's like, "Wendell, are you okay?" And he goes, "No." No. And he shakes his head back and forth, and uh, and then just badness. It was awesome. <laughs> It was really terrific. It was like the highlight of my trip. It was really hilarious, but we also felt really bad. That country, that uh, that Frontierland Hoedown is a really terrific show. I think <laughs> that more people need to see it and dance with the characters because they'll ask adults to dance if there's no one around. It's true. Yeah. Okay, so Megan hates the country bears. But that's upsetting. So that's upsetting. She hates it. Yeah, you really do. More I can tell. I can tell. Okay. Oh man, that's. Do you have the soundtrack by any chance on iTunes? Do I? Yeah. No. It, it is available on iTunes, and uh, I think my pers- I, I've always liked it, but I think my uh, appreciate uh, appreciation for it grew after I bought the soundtrack and listened to it constantly. Maybe this is like three or four summers ago, all day long, and I really got an appreciation for it then. I think. I don't know why. I think the music kind of, uh, clearly, it's a musical show, obviously. I'm like Captain Obvious right now. But uh, that really made it more special once you learn all the words and kind of uh, the characters of the different bears. Yeah. I love it. All right. I love it too. Yeah. But it grew on me definitely. Moving from one, moving from one uh, sort of animatronic, like uh, extravaganza. Extravaganza. That's yeah. a good word. Extravaganza. We're moving to another one that is extravagant. Yes. But not. But in a totally in a totally different way. Number four. Ellen's energy adventure, which we have managed to discuss in length, in uh, all five of these podcasts. Yeah. So <laughs> because we love it. <laughs> Megan. Sir. Do you like this one? I do like this one. Oh, I think you've said that before. And yeah. And I also, if this is this, I don't get to on my list. I, I did not like it at first, and I definitely like it now. Yeah. And I think we talked about that, so we won't have yeah. to go too much into this. But basically, the first time you go on it, you're like, okay, this is long, kind of boring. And then the more you get to know it, the better it is. And then you get to relax. Yeah. And get out of the. It's like the king of those of those attractions. You get to relax, and it's sort of uh, nostalgic at the same time. Yeah. I, I enjoy the. The room where you're just listening to the radio. Oh, yeah, so do I. I really I mean, like that. I, and at first I was like, this is the, just the worst waste of my time, but it's now it's great. It's important to get in the first car. Yeah, the first car on the left. Left, yeah, that's the one. But that's it ends up being one. the first car because then you end up hitting all the scenes first. Yeah, that's the best car. Okay, so we won't talk too much more about yeah. that. So we'll move on to number three. Number three is the Carousel of Progress. This, if it was up to me, I think this would be my my number one. Yeah. Just because, again, just like all of these, I probably on some level enjoyed all of them the first time I went on. This one I enjoyed, but not to the extent that I enjoyed it the next time, or the third time, or the fourth time. I, I kind of hated really, it. This is the one that really grows on you. We went on it once, and I don't. And then I would like. I didn't go on it. Well, we skipped it. He avoided it like crazy. And I hadn't been on it. And again, I had no idea what what it was or what was there. And obviously, Disney does not advertise it at all. Ever. And then, um, and then he he dragged me on it a second time, and then I liked it a little bit more, and then a third time, and I liked it a little bit more, 
And then it just becomes this charming animatronic show that, again, is very historic and has a great song. And, I don't know. Just Have a you lot noticed of fun. the theme in in most of these? People Mover, Flights of Wonder, Tiki Birds, uh, Country Bears, Ellen, and this one, you know, we, I skipped a couple, but on all of those, you get to relax at the same time as enjoying an interaction. That's true. I think that's great. No. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Carousel of Progress. Do Megan, do you like Carousel of Progress? good. Thumbs up for Carousel of Progress. Same thing. First time I went on to, uh, at least as an adult, was with somebody who hated it. So that kind of colored how I was feeling. Third mm. time I looked over at him, he was like, oh, I don't like, but it's a great big, beautiful tomorrow. All right. <laughs> nice. No, not positive. No, but, uh, but subsequent times, and it gets, it gets, it's a little kitschy too, but it gets more fun every time. And yeah. you're scenes and the dog is so... I love that dog. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. You get to know the scenes. It's kind of like a song, like a musical or something. Like it gets better when you get to know it. Yeah. That's definitely how this attraction is. Absolutely. I think it's great. I mean, it could use a... Refurb? A, re a little refurb. <laughs> that last scene needs to go. Although it's kind of fun. Five years ago instead of like 15 years in the future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Impossible. You yeah. didn't even have a car phone. She says <laughs> I, when she says that, I love that. I, just, I, I almost want them not, to not change the dialogue. I just I, want to take get like a, like a painting. As a child of the '80s, I cannot stress enough how obsessed people were with the idea of virtual reality <laughs> and how it didn't pan out at all. At all. It was on every sitcom. Yeah. I don't even know what that is. It was like, oh, we're going to put this screen over your head and you're going to be immersed in the world. And then I was like, no, it just makes you nauseous and weird and it doesn't work really well. And like some of, like that's some just of stupid. all thrills? Nobody wants to put a giant box on their head to do anything. <laughs> Virtual reality. <laughs> oh, Grant, man. And that oven. I love, I just love that stuff. That's kind of true, though. People have stuff like that. Talking ovens? Yeah. We have Siri now. Yeah. I have Siri installed in my oven. Yeah, but what about laser discs? Oh, true. Laser discs. Why do they even mention laser discs? Because I feel like this was a refurb in the 90s, yeah? Yeah, I don't, I don't in the, know what in the, the heck the, is going on. Yeah, they should have been talking about something else yeah. at that point. It's bad, so we could use a refurb, but nonetheless, even with the refurb, even with in its current state, it's fun. When, yeah. you learn, when you learn all the corny jokes, and even if you're taking them for the wrong reasons, because I feel like even I sort of take them... Uh, with a grain of salt, and they're sort of ironic or whatever. Like, oh, they're talking about laser discs and car phones or whatever, and I laugh at it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. it's That still makes it better. It's still fun, but it's like laughing at, you know, other bad jokes in the park. Yeah. Sometimes you just gotta embrace the hokiness. Just you know, the way how she it says up. it. You didn't even have a car phone. That little, uh, yeah. That just makes me giggle. One last point really quick, too, is, is the more you get to know, like, animatronics, Mm. It's like, you know, they talk about the really advanced ones, like the auctioneer or supposedly the Ellen one <laughs> or uh, stuff like that. The John animatronic is, to me, one of the most convincing. I love John. It's just he's charming for some reason to me. Yeah, I like John. Yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. I think it's his, uh, it's his ascot. Yeah, I don't know. It's all great. I love his ascot. All right. I, I love the other ascot. Yeah? Who doesn't? Right. Um, moving from, God, this is just, uh, full of animatronics. We're going from Carousel of Progress to Spaceship Earth. 
Face of Earth. Number two. Number Face two. of Earth. Andrew doesn't know how to say the numbers. Yeah, I kind of feel like people are following along. Why say the numbers? I'm um, Space of Earth. So, uh, yeah, I have to say, the first time I thought it was kind of cool, but I was a little bit bored. Yeah. Does everyone agree or not? Yeah. I think it's similar to Carousel of Progress that it's, again, once you get to know the scenes. Yeah, it really gets amazing. Yeah. I think a big part of this, with uh, as with a lot of attractions that we talk about, the music is very important to me. Uh-huh. And uh, this has such epic, beautiful music. This is uh, composed by Bruce Broughton, who did Ellen's Energy Adventure, and you guys know how I feel about the music for that one. He also did uh, the music for The Timekeeper and a couple other cool old attractions. But uh, the music for this one is just phenomenal, and that's what brings me back, is I want to hear that amazing music in the Renaissance room, or at the end when you're going to view, you know, the Earth. I love that. Yeah, and the uh, the smell of Rome, of burning Rome. Oh yeah, I love that smell of Rome burning, the except best. for it's, a lot of times it's not there anymore. My favorite thing in the whole world, though, is the um, unnamed Egyptian founding papyrus. I love that. I love that he's pounding papyrus. A sort of paper. Yeah. I love that. Well, don't do that because people really hate Judy Dench. See, this is, I love Judy Dench because that's who I've, you know. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Judy Dench as well. You are? We are We are three people in the minority. I, yeah. I, so I always get surprised when someone's like Jeremy Irons. I'm like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. And so I also like the end part. It's all about the bench. I mean, the, the descent could be better. Like, they really should do something because when you do if you look up from those screens it's pretty bad mm-hmm. or, there's, or there's nothing yeah well there's just nothing but the screens are pretty cool i mean it's a little silly people have problems with them but i never did i get the same thing like every time you always break your arm when you're skiing yeah it's true well we've, we've done it so many times that we've tried all the combinations and it's just not that one. yeah i i like it it grow. it definitely is one of those things that grows on you now there's a, you know like no better attraction really that's that's Epcot. True attraction. It, it is actually my probably my favorite attraction in all of Disney World. Is it? Not mine, but I do love it. I love it. And I like the guy that has a hat that looks like a clove of garlic. Mm-hmm. I love that. And there's also an animatronic that looks like John Kerry. That's true. And I love that guy. Do you know what? Yeah. Which one? The one that's a painting? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, hey, look, I found that everybody else sees it but like you feel like you're the one discovering it and, and every time you go in there's more details to it yeah yeah, yeah. you discover more detail absolutely you know what i really like is during the renaissance scene there somebody's doing a painting of uh like on a canvas and the blue cheese that he's painting looks so good and i just feel like eating cheese and crackers because it looks so tasty he does every time every time that we pass it i mentioned man i could go for some blue cheese right now it looks sure. so good. That's how we end up with the cheese plates. Yeah. Disney probably doesn't realize it, but that painting probably sells so many more cheese plates. Yeah. Everyone wants blue cheese after they see that. Put a picture of it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's it. a good idea. If you have a picture of that blue cheese, send it to DisneyHipsters at gmail.com. That's true. Because I, you know, need it to be a catalyst for cheese plate dinner. Sure. Okay. Uh, also, who who's the one with the really skinny legs? Um, uh, Gutenberg. Gutenberg. Right? Gutenberg. His legs are so skinny. I just want to have skinny legs like that. It's hard. gross. Gutenberg has unnaturally skinny legs. But they look really nice. I would love to have skinny legs like that. So, Megan, do you want to introduce our number one pick for attractions that grow on us? 
Me? I would be honored. Oh, well, uh, just go for it. Okay, number one is Jungle Cruise. Okay. Cool. That's a good pick. I think we all had this on our list, yeah? Yeah, definitely. Definitely stupid the first time you go. <laughs> yeah, kind of like, what the hell was that? Yeah. Yeah, like, those jokes were not funny at all. They were. You're like, what was what? wrong with that cast member? <laughs> and what, there, why, was there, why was there a cast member instead of something steering the boat? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And then you're like, were they steering boat? Or were they yeah. not steering the boat? I seriously thought the first time I went on it that the cast member, like, went rogue and totally went off topic and made like really bad and appropriate jokes the whole time. <laughs> For real. Uh, it's only when you go on a couple and you're like, oh, that's part of the thing. The funny thing is I think this is the case for everyone who goes on this attraction that it must grow on you because I'm always the only one laughing. Yes. And I know for the most part it's people who it's either their first time or second time at Walt Disney World or whatever. And me and Adam are just the only people laughing. Mm. Like, don't you guys get it? That is so funny. <laughs> but this also goes back to like the historic part of Disney and nostalgia. The great thing is, some of the jokes that they tell today, not all of them, but some of them have been around since the very beginning. Mm -hmm. If you listen to that Thurl Ravenscross recording from, it was it came out a couple years after uh, Disneyland or whatever, his narration of it includes some of the exact same joke, like they're gonna get it in the end when the rhinoceros is chasing them up the pole. You know, I think that's great that those jokes have been around for so long. You know, and once you learn those, that that really adds to your appreciation of it. Mm. Plus, it's great. The the design is just great, yeah. and it really feels like you're in some like a Hollywood, like 1930s Hollywood film about the jungle. It's, it feels just <laughs> like the African that's, Queen. That's what it is. You, you clearly don't feel like you're in the jungle, but you feel like no. you're somewhere else that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. I'm not in the jungle, but this is awesome. It is. And, and we, we've mentioned the African Queen a couple of times, at least a couple episodes. And if you haven't seen that movie, you should totally watch it. It kind of, it, I mean, it does portray that African Queen kind of feel where it's going from one little vignette to the other to the other. Plus the boat and everything. The boat is, the boat looks remarkably like the one. Well, I mean, it was a huge inspiration, supposedly. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's well, really true. Well, who was it? Enough, Harper but... Goff did the design for this attraction, and he, I think he freely admitted to that. So, but that's a that's, great film. That's pretty common. And I think it's on Netflix, watch it now. Oh, yeah. Go for those of you Netflix, with Netflix, watch it, watch it now. Watch the African Queen. Catherine Hepburn absolutely kills it. What does she say all the time? She's like, oh, how does she say the guy's name? Mr. Old Nut. She's so good. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah. So yeah. Catherine Hepburn and Bogey, they're both very good in that movie. Anything else about the wonderful Jungle Cruise? Why it's number one? It's awesome. Everyone thought it was boring though in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely like that like personifies the list. Totally grows on you. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's that was a good uh, pick for number one because it's I feel like very few people really appreciate it for what it's supposed to be the first time they go on it. Like maybe it's an amusing boat ride, especially for uh, young kids, you know, but few adults I think appreciate it for its full grandeur mm -hmm. the first time that they go on it. Yeah. It's truly, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a work of art, the whole thing. A absolutely, I hope it never goes anywhere. You know, people talk about it uh, being taken out of the Magic Kingdom in Florida, which would just be such a stinking shame. Yeah, you know, it adds so much to Adventureland overall, yeah. you know. All right, so that's our, our top 10 list of attractions that grow on you, as opposed to ones that you like intrinsically right off the bat. And I know that because we made uh, our own individual list that we had a couple of honorable mentions, I guess we'll 
uh, each go through and say what our honorable mentions are. Adam, do you have one? Sure. Um, my honorable mention is the Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse. Nice. And I, I know why this didn't end up on the list. Yeah. Because this one is my absolute favorite from when I was a kid. And this one never had a chance to grow on me because it was always the one that I talked about. Yeah, I couldn't really care less about it. But the more like absorbed I got in the atmosphere of Disney parks and that kind of thing, the more I became obsessed with going in that, that silly tree every time. And then once you go on it, you get the Switzkapoka in your head. Yeah. And then sometimes I just sit around it and just kind of get the... I love that Switzkapoka. It's just, it's just, I don't know. I don't know what it is about. It's also the rooms when I'm on it. Yeah. I know, I really want to go to sleep in one of those beds. Those yeah. little tiny beds. They're so small. Those were some small boys. That's yeah. my honorable mention. Okay, Megan, what's yours? Uh, my honorable mention, I hope it's not cheating, uh, I said daytime parades. Nice, that's awesome. No. Uh, awesome. I, I used to avoid all the parades. Like at first they were all accident, like oh, I'm afraid in my way. Yeah. And then, <laughs> great. Uh, it was hot in the daytime, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and, but then, you know, I finally stopped and I like, watched one and I was like, oh, this is all right. And the second time I like looked for it. Yeah. And this is awesome. And it's, the music comes by and you just, you're, you're waving at your characters even though you're in your 30s and it's fine. <laughs> That's the best part it's of Disney World. It's That is. And nobody thinks you're weird. It's so fun. Well, some people definitely think you're weird, but who gives a crap about them? Yeah. Uh, I don't think that's weird. Oh, not too it's the thing is, it's like you—it's all about throwing away like any pretense of trying to be cool, and you're just—you're like purely having fun. I love yeah. that you said that because I feel the exact same way. That's actually what started this whole this whole thing. It's true. Disney and, Disney hipster blog is kind of like that's like the thesis of what we do. Yeah, because I think a lot of times, even too, like we talk a lot about good design stuff, and even though like sometimes I don't think the daytime parades are the best design things. It doesn't even about, matter. It's just about having, yeah. Like, it's just, just fun. Like, you're just there to have fun. The, 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 the pre that parade, I have no idea what it's called, the one with the giant presents. I love that one. That pumping up the party song, I just That's love. Good. It's so bad, but Isn't I just love it. that fun and awesome? The pumping up the party now. I know the whole dance. <laughs> that, like, that, like, they do that triple jump, like, fist pump thing. I love that. It's awesome. Just love it. That's yeah. not even technically the daytime parade. That's yeah. just like a little street party. But yeah, when the first time you go, you're definitely not pumping up the party. You're not amused by that at all. I think it was cringeworthy the first couple times I saw it. I think, Megan, I was in the same boat as you, where if anything, I tried to avoid it. And now I, I embrace it. And I, I pick up on the songs and I kind of enjoy those. I listen to the Sensational Parade from Disneyland every day before I go to work because yeah. it gets me hyped up. It's true. And Megan, I know you haven't been to Disneyland, or at least... That is a terrific parade. And you are, if you ever go, it will blow your mind. That is a terrific parade. But there's, hopefully, maybe, maybe we'll get it. They normally don't copy parades, but I'm skeptical. It would be pretty awesome. Yeah, so, I'm skeptical. All right, Andrew, um, your honorable mention. Uh, mine is one that I enjoyed the first time I went on, but has gotten to a point to where I obsess over it. You know, so in that aspect, it did grow on me, which is uh, Maelstrom from Norway. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it so much. It's so dear to my heart. And I wish I could fall asleep in the oil tanker room. I loved it from day one. Yeah, see, I was kind of whatever about it. It's so, like, quirky and silly and exciting and fun and short and sweet. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I always liked it, but it's gotten to the point where I probably go on it 
I could go on it like 10 times in a day and just eat school bread in between and never get sick of it. I love it. I like those trolls. And I hope this attraction never goes anywhere. Megan? Great honorable mention. That's really good. Yeah. Uh, the first time uh, you go up and then you, you hear Odin yelling, it, it, that's like what you think would be like a made up version of a Norwegian accent. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I just love it. This right. is great. Yeah. Definitely didn't go. Yeah, I, I like it. I love it a lot. I just, uh, if I could have one attraction that was in my house, I think it'd be that one. Just again, I love how. Yeah, I know, right? Maybe one day. Maybe I'll get lucky. It's not that big. Yeah, I want to have a very extensively themed Norwegian house. We can drink Carlsberg beer and talk Carlsberg's to Carlsberg's not even from Norway. It's not. I think it's Danish. But. Or Swedish. But, it's, but they sell it in Norway, so we'll take it. That's true. All right, so that does it, I guess, for our rather extensive and unresearched list of uh, attractions that grow on us. It's true, but, I mean, it's true. That's that's one of the good things about Disney. And you can put these uh, attractions into many different categories. You could put these into rather well-designed attractions, I think. Top mm -hmm. ten attractions that are really well-designed and you didn't even realize it. You could put it into top ten attractions that aren't thrill rides. <laughs> You could put it into, what uh, else? Uh, top 10 attractions with animatronics. Yeah, exactly, really. Uh, but yeah, but I, yeah, I think that's just a central theme too. Yeah, and the funny thing is, not only are these the top 10 attractions that grow on you, but I think overall, if I had to make a top 10 list of my favorite attractions period, a heck of a lot of these would be on there. Yeah. You know? That's definitely true. Yeah, Disney's definitely... Uh, you know, it's, it's exciting rides that you like the first time you go on them and then those eventually get a little bit boring and then yeah. in their place. I think they're in the business, they're in the business yeah. of building nostalgia. And I think that these are sort of the, you know, thesis of that. This is all their hard work getting us to come back and really bond with these attractions, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They want, they want you to uh, have that familiarity with them. So even if you're sort of coerced into going on it a second time, if, if it's something that you don't like, like say Carousel of Progress, you might not like it the first time, but eventually you get dragged on it a second time, you're like, oh, that was a little bit more charming than I thought. Yeah. I mean, I think it sums it up perfectly there. The top 10 attractions, I think. Jillian over on Twitter wants to know what merchandise we think is the tackiest. Megan, what do you think is the most tacky merchandise? I think all of the glow-in-the-dark uh, items that come out uh, right around the electric break time, or yes. any night time, really, yeah. oh, they're all awful. Yeah, yeah, they're horrible. They really are. They're like really, I don't know, they're like a glowing symbol of American consumerism. Yeah. Like, just like waste of natural resources. Like, what the hell are you going to do with that when you go home with it? You're not going to do anything that's going to break by the time you leave the park. Yeah. They, the thing is that what I hate most about it, I, I know they're fun for kids or whatever, but they really take away from the fireworks. 
Yeah. For me, the fireworks or the parade or whatever, they just take away from everything. Yeah. And then, or when you're in an attraction at night and some kid, oh, it's supposed to be like dark, like a oh jungle cruise. Oh my ride. God. Not, not only that, or but being bus. on the bus, I was oh. what I was going to say. That is a good the, point. Those yeah. freaking kids on the bus with their light up lightsabers yes. and their hats that glow and they won't turn them off and the parents don't want to tell them to because they're supposed to be having fun on their vacation. Those kids did not earn a vacation. Yeah. They are not paying for a vacation. I am. But after like extra magic hours, like you're in the Magic Kingdom to 11 o'clock at night, you're sitting on some stupid bus back to your hotel and it's usually the animal from the lodge for us, which really long. And then a kid walks on with like a strobe light. Yeah, really? give me a seizure after my long day at the Magic Kingdom. That will be enjoyable. Sometimes I just feel like going over and like mentioning to them like, oh, I have a condition and I'll have a seizure if you leave that on. Yeah. So can you please turn it off? But it's even the glow stuff. It's just, to your point, it doesn't even, like wait, you crack it and then it stops glowing after a certain point. The only glow thing that I like are the glow cubes. I don't even like those. I love those glow cubes. Megan, yeah. do you have a feeling about glow cubes? Actually, I don't. I could go either way. I, I really like them. I think they're great. I actually use them at home all the time. Well, they're not as obnoxious as glow-in-the-dark Mickey or glowing Mickey ears. Did you no, see those things, Megan? Oh, well, yeah. They, they're, they're just outlines in the ears. The no, World no. of Color ones? Oh, no. no. The new, no. There's new ones for the World of Color show that, that beat to the music. So they like, they, like, convince everyone to buy them. So then the whole crowd is a giant blinking... They go. They go with the music. I don't care for that. No, yeah. it's horrible. It take the what your show isn't good enough. Uh -huh. You have to hit, like sync up people's Mickey ears. That's horrible. Not, not okay with it. I'm not either. I just think they should just not sell them. It's very distracting. Nine times out of ten, when I'm watching Wishes, I want to ask somebody to turn their ears off. Mm -hmm. I just think it's horrible, especially when it's an adult. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's what it was when we were in Tiki Room. In Disneyland, do you remember? Yeah. I almost had a conniption fit because this woman had on her glowing Mickey ears in the tiki room. Glowing. Glowing. Oh, God, I almost lost it. Yeah, I, it's just, they're inappropriate. Yeah, anyway. All Adam, right. what's your uh, merchandise that you think is the tackiest? Oh, God, it's so easy. Um, it would have to be every single pin that they have ever made or tried to sell to someone. Adam uh, is not a fan of... Pin trading. Pin trading is the stupidest thing ever. I'm sorry to you pin traders out there, but you've been, you're just a sucker. You've been taken. You can send all of your hate mail to Adam and not me. You do. Thank you. You've really been taken. May. Once in a while, they'll make a nice pin. You could buy a pin, stick to your shirt, fine. But it was basically Disney's like, okay, what can we make that costs us virtually nothing? We could sell for an outrageous cost and then we could convince people that they need to collect it. Oh, <laughs> a little piece Pins. of metal. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're, I, I don't like the pin trading aspect and any of the ones that have words on them are just ugly. I, I have one pin and that's the five-legged goat Mary Blair pin. Yeah. I mean, and, once in a while there's a nice the thing pin. Is, but... The thing is, I wear it. I don't put it on a lanyard and take it to the park to trade. I wear it. But never you know? forget the trading in the park. Like I could see how that maybe could be a little bit fun. Like Vinylmation is actually fun yeah. because those are well designed. But no, but even Vinylmation, there's lots of terrible Vinylmation. Of but course. Tra the trading thing I could see as being fun. However, what the heck do you do with those pins when you go home? And all these people like walk around like suitcases. So you have 700 pins in a suitcase in your closet. That was a giant waste of money. Good job. Yeah, I don't like it. Anyhow, 
Um, I don't like when people try to force collectibles on me. You should, for hint, you should never collect anything that says collectible on it. Yeah, that's how you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, that's it. <laughs> collect something cool. Collect fast passes. Collect. I think that's great. Fast passes? That's yeah, fun. Yeah, like, I don't know. Make a book of fast passes. That'd be awesome. I think that's lots of fun. We got fast passes for Primeval World. Yeah. On this last trip. I was very excited about that. We have a ton of them. But something like that. That's like, you know, no one really thinks about it. And in 10 years, someone will be like, oh my God, you have a fast pass for the Snow White in Magic Kingdom. Not that they have a fast pass. It'd be awesome to have a fast pass for Horizon doesn't exist anymore. That's exactly what I'm Isn't saying. Isn't that yeah. great? Like if, you had, if you had a Horizon fast pass, if there were ever was such a thing. That would be great. You could totally sell it for an ungodly amount of money. Because yeah. Disney nerds would eat it up. I'm just saying, that is a real collectible. I like it. That is fun. Okay. Um, so mine, uh, because Adam kind of took the one that I would have normally gone for, I'm going to say that, uh, picture frames, like photo frames, that's a, that's a big one for me just because your house, even though you're a Disney fan, should reflect who you are outside of Disney and it shouldn't just scream Disney World necessarily, but having a, a picture frame of your photo at the park or whatever in like a Mickey ears thing. Yeah. Just, uh, I don't like that. I don't like it. But it goes like, but why would you buy anything from the parks that doesn't fit the aesthetic of your home? Right. If, is the aesthetic of your home like poorly made plastic garbage? Yeah, like, is ne- that what it like is? neon colored, like millennium. Maybe they love Year that. 2000. If you love that, that's great. If you, if you like that kind that of stuff, might that's be awesome. somebody yeah, yeah, but maybe they do. They sell too much of it for, for that to be possible. A lot of it's just poorly made, you know. I could go with any number of things. There's a lot of, uh, real. I could have said mugs. They make a lot of awful mugs. They do. Like coffee mugs? Holy moly. My, my second choice would have been the, um, all of the merchandise I've seen posted from that Mad Tea Party. Oh, Which God. just looks awful. Yeah, those are really bad. DCA. If anyone hasn't, you should look it up. It just looks atrocious. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this ridiculous episode of the Disney Hipster Podcast. You can read our daily blog posts at DisneyHipsters.com, follow us on Twitter at DisneyHipsters, or like us on Facebook. You can follow Megan at GoTeamMegan on Twitter. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.